Hi there, this is Mark Dean. Welcome to this podcast on the keys to social connectedness. This is part of the Back to Business series. The Back to Business series is for Cisco people who are either on extended leave or perhaps planning family and parenting leave, carers leave. This is also for colleagues to understand ways in which you can help support and provide positive supportive relationships for people who you care about who might be disconnected for work for a period of time. So we know that positive supportive relationships are a real mainstay for both physical and mental health outcomes. When we are disconnected from our supportive relationships, we're more likely to experience challenges. The absence of positive supportive relationships has been linked with a number of health risks. While we won't go into all of those now, it really helps to focus on some tools and practical ways that you can maintain your positive supportive relationships and possibly even build new ones, whether you're a carer, a family member, or you're going on sick leave, or you've been on leave, or whether you are somebody who cares about someone in one of those categories, perhaps a colleague who's been on leave or who's about to go on leave, there's something in this podcast for you. Joining me today from our London studio is psychologist Jessica Price-Jones. Jessica was the founder of the Eye Opener Institute at Oxford and the author of Happiness at Work. Today, Jessica will be sharing with us a range of positive psychology-based tips and tools and a little bit about what the research tells us really helps for building and maintaining positive supportive connections, including when you might be disconnected from work for a while. To kick the conversation off, Jess, it might be helpful just to have a brief chat about what is a positive supportive relationship. So would you mind just sharing with us your thoughts on what are some of the key qualities that are present? Well, Mark, I think that there are four characteristics that I would be looking for. And those would be respect between people, gratitude for the relationships that they have, optimism in the way that they talk to each other, and some compassion for when things go wrong. So those would be my four main indicators. What would be your top tips to build some of those qualities into your relationships? I think that the first thing that you need to do is to recognize you've got to have some real conversations because it's those conversations that glue for your positive relationships. So put your phone down, focus and engage. That would be my first tip. Then I think show appreciation and gratitude for the other person. Think about when you last really, truly, deeply showed gratitude for the person in front of you for being part of your life. What have they shared with you? What have they taught you? There's a great exercise that you can do, which has been around for about the past 20 years, which is just to write a letter to someone and read it out or send an email saying what you've appreciated about working with them or being with them. So that's on showing appreciation and gratitude. Jess, in your workshops, you talk a lot about the value of optimism. What sort of purpose does optimism play and why is it important in building positive, supportive relationships? When it comes to optimism, I think that we all have a responsibility to make people that we are in a relationship with feel safe and secure. If fear is on the table or negativity, that drags the feeling we have about a relationship down and reduces our willingness to engage. In all honesty, if someone bites your head off, you don't want to get too close to them. And if they do it time and again, well, even more so. So this isn't really about being Pollyanna-ish and all smiles and light, because it isn't like that, but it's about recognizing what's good and coming from a place of positivity. Even when you say hello to someone, you can think about the difference between, hey, how are you? And hey, how are you doing? You set someone up 
for how they're going to react to you in the very way that you approach them. We None of us really want to be energy drains or drags, which is what pessimists do to us. So if you intend positivity and warmth, I think that that's what will follow. So you sound like you're saying it kind of comes from within. Absolutely. Of course it comes from within. What are the key things that stand out to you? What does the research tell us about the roles that positive communication and compassion play in our relationships and our capacity to succeed in life? Compassion helps someone feel safe and secure. So for me, compassion has to start with yourself. If you can't feel compassion for yourself, how can you feel it for someone else? So whether it's for you or another, you need to listen and be with a feeling that's coming to connect. So you have to deeply listen and accept in order that you can empathize. Compassion sounds simple, but it's remarkably hard work because to be truly compassionate, we have to shut our monkey brains up and focus on exactly what's in front of us. So I think that one of the key findings was to understand how important compassion is. If you don't have compassion for yourself, how can you have it for anybody else? And so working on oneself, for me, is the key to working with other people. For me, it was in one way disappointing because I was going, oh my goodness, I've written this book, which is all about how you need to work on yourself first. But really, that is the answer to to all of it. What sort of role does self-awareness play then? I think when you're talking about positive relationships, self-awareness is absolutely foundational. It's it's really interesting. I've been working quite recently with someone who wasn't very self-aware. And in that, they were in a room and spreading all kinds of very negative behaviors. And people were reacting to them in the way that you would expect them to. And I think that what was astonishing is how little this person understood the impact that they were having. So for me, self-awareness is absolutely key. In his particular case, I was writing down all the negativity that he was saying, and then I showed it to him afterwards, and he was truly astonished. So it sounds like your feedback to that person was really important to help him to build his self-awareness. Any advice to people on if and when they do receive feedback that might be a little bit challenging or perhaps a little bit confronting, but important from the point of view of drawing light on whether the person's in a negative or positive mode? If you want to be truly self-aware, you need to accept that that feedback is for you and it's really, it's a gift. And if you are able to accept that gift, it can lead you to fabulous places that you wouldn't otherwise get to. For me, engaging with feedback, um, particularly in terms of positive relationships, if that's what you want to build, is a really really great starting point. It might just be helpful to spend a moment reflecting on some of the potential impacts on people of negativity among others. What's your experience with that and what would your advice be to people who might be surrounded by a bit of negativity or perhaps they might realise, hey, I could be putting a bit of that out myself? So I think that we have a continuum when you're thinking about relationships. At one end of that continuum, there's conflict and tension. And and that's characterized by feelings of anger and frustration and contempt, which is really unpleasant. But those feelings don't come from nowhere, right? They take a bit of time to build up. At at the other end of the continuum, you've got simple differences of opinions. So if you want to head things off there as you build your positive relationships, I would try approaching a situation from a curiosity point of view rather than challenge. The reason why is it helps you to stay open and to continue a conversation rather than close it down. And that can be useful for rebooting your relationships too. So I guess the killer indications for me are 
talking over somebody and repeated cancelling of meetings. That's because you, you get reduced intimacy and shared time with someone. The only way to build a relationship is to invest in them. And that's to give your most precious currency, time. Well, of course, sometimes obstacles do pop up in relationships. Are there any particular signs that might help our listeners to identify negative language and behaviours, perhaps a negative relationship? Negativity is hugely draining, as everybody knows. I was chatting to a CEO the other day who's going through some really rough times, and he said that everybody feels free to come and dump their emotional baggage at his door, and how wearing that was for him. Continued negativity doesn't enable or empower anybody. On the contrary, it disables and disempowers. And we know that negative emotion is spread to two to three degrees in a social network, meaning that it has a contagious effect like a cold. So if I'm very negative to you, Mark, you'll go away and most likely be negative to somebody else. And it will even spread from that person onwards. So inside any organization, even if it's in what's called the back office, that will spread to a client. So what do you want to be spreading? Do you want to be spreading the negativity and the down feeling or the positivity and the up feeling? And it's worth remembering that people with high negativity have significantly higher uh, rates of illness and sadly also die younger. Gosh, that um, reminds me of some research I saw on cardiovascular disease and, and prevalence rates of heart attacks in communities where there are more negative relationships and more negative languages used. Absolutely. It's not just cardiovascular, but it's also simple things like colds. People with higher negativity are more prone to getting colds. Of course, at some point in time, we all face negativity in relationships of various forms. You might be returning to work and there is some negative influence there, or perhaps it's a social relationship that is more important to you right now because you're on leave and disconnected from your more positive workplace relationships. So Jess, what sort of advice would you provide to people faced with that situation? And would you draw upon compassion again, perhaps to help or give a guiding hand? Compassion really helps you temper your emotional response. Um, it's too easy to fall into being a jerk when you're with a jerk, but that doesn't actually help anybody. When you approach somebody with a compassionate mindset, for example, you know, they're struggling, life is tough for them, it helps you maintain your boundaries without wanting to fix whoever's in front of you. If you want to truly do something to help them, you can help them reframe a situation that they're neg being negative about, but without being drawn into it yourself. And compassion is the tool that will help you do that. So Jess, you mentioned curiosity before. Is there a role for curiosity in this situation? Yeah, curiosity would be a great activator and a great useful tool. You could even ask somebody saying, you know, what's, what's going on for you? How are you doing? I'm worrying about you. Be brave. Ask a question. You, you might find out something that someone's really struggling with that you could help them with. Jess, do you have any advice for people who might be concerned about a colleague who may be a bit distant or withdrawn or perhaps disconnected from their relationships? And what sort of signs might you be able to see if someone was experiencing that or experiencing even some loneliness? Quite often people who are feeling lonely withdraw. Um, when my, my daughter was at school and young, she had a lonely bench that she could go and sit on when she was feeling exactly like that. Uh, and I thought, what a great idea. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all had lonely benches that we could go and sit on and say, hey, I'm in need of some kind of comfort. But unfortunately, we don't. So I think it's incumbent upon everyone to notice who withdraws, who behaves in an uncharacteristic fashion, 
who is doing things that they haven't done before. Those are the telltale signs for me that somebody might be struggling and you could reach out to them to help. Do you have any tips or advice on how someone who's concerned about a colleague might go about offering advice or support? I think that if you check in with them by saying something like, I'm worried about you or I'm concerned about your well-being in a one-to-one situation, you do an enormous amount to reach out to them. It's a really difficult question to ask. Of course it is. But if you can ask it and hold your silence and see how someone replies to you, then you're doing them an enormous favour on a humanistic and empathetic basis. People always need to admit a problem before they can start to solve it. You may be helping them confront just that. What a wonderful way to help somebody to build their insight into their own situation. I've always thought... You know, if somebody asks you, how are you going, you don't seem yourself lately, and then a few days later someone says the same thing, it does cause you to stop and look at that, doesn't it? To say, gosh, there might be something in this. Perhaps I should look at getting some help and support. So what other types of questions might you ask somebody if you're concerned about them perhaps being a bit disconnected? Well, you can ask some gentle questions about how they're spending their time or what they're feeling. Gentle questions obviously help people open up. And you've often talked about the value of simply being present for somebody. Any tips or advice on that? Yes, just being with somebody. Um, I had cancer and was very ill a few years ago. And the thing that I appreciated most was when someone could literally just sit and be with me. I didn't need to talk. I didn't need to watch TV. I didn't need to say anything, but I did need to rest. And one of my close colleagues who I used to work with 20 years ago flew over to Germany simply to sit on the sofa with me. What a gift. What a wonderful friend and colleague. So what advice would you have, Jess, for anyone who might be concerned about one of their colleagues who might be resisting getting advice and support or might be sort of isolating themselves a bit? Rule number one is to be driven by the person who's away. So what is it that they want? And to reach out to them occasionally with just small messages. So I like to send people a picture and just say, saw this and thought of you or a cheerful video, sometimes I'll share those, but not to put too much a demand on someone to respond. It's just the small touches that say, I'm thinking of you and you're in my thoughts. Of course, our home lives are really important as well. Do you have any tips or advice on building positive, supportive relationships in the home? One of my top tips would be to make your partner a real partner. 20 years ago, when I was going back into work, having had my third child, I remember coming home and feeling exhausted. And my uh, partner said to me, where's dinner? And I said to him rather snittily, it's in the supermarket. And uh, that was the last time he asked me where dinner was. We had a conversation about I needed more support if I was going to be working at the same pace as he was. So make your partner a real partner. Sharing is the foundation for a harmonious household environment. Adding to that, I'd say don't do tasks angrily. So if you do decide that something needs doing, don't do it angrily because it will make you more resentful and that will not build a positive, harmonious relationship. And then we're going back to the feedback point, Mark. If something really bugs you, share it. Pour it more than bugs you and then you have an explosion about it. Jess, for those listeners who may be colleagues of somebody who's returning from an extended period of leave, what tips or advice would you provide for how you go about making it a warm, receptive, welcoming space to come back to? Approaching people from a positive and appreciative place is your start point. And then you can help them think about 
their strengths and how they recognize them and play to them, how they use them on a daily basis, because that helps us feel that we're doing our best when we're being our best. You want to build a positive team. You need to celebrate the achievements and take the time to do that because mostly we hit one goal and then we immediately move on. But recognizing achievement makes people feel that they're valued. And you can do that too by offering recognition and thanks for a job well done. What tips would you provide to maintain that positive, supportive relationship once somebody has resettled back into their role? I like to check in with people. Checking in for me does wonders. So sometimes I'll call people up for no particular reason when they're in my project teams and just say, I'm thinking about you and wanted to say, hi, touch base, wondering if everything's good with you. So that's all I'll do. It's not that I want to check up on them. I just want to check in. I think that shows you care. And the one thing that we all want in our relationships is to have people who care for us. And that care is shown by a simple act of saying hi. And of course, if somebody is on an extended period of leave and is wanting to build more relationships outside of work, perhaps in the community, any tips or advice that might help? If you want to build positive social relationships with people, reach out. Reach out to your neighbours, reach out to your friends, reach out to people who you used to work with and just say hi. There's some great research on social networks, which are the real relationships that people have showing that if you reach out to someone who you knew 15 to 20 years ago, they're most likely going to react with positivity to you. So you feel great and you help them feel great too. And isn't that a wonderful thing to share with people? Just to add to that, Mark, smile at a stranger in the supermarket. Smile at someone walking down the corridor who you don't know. Those tiny things really help us feel good about ourselves and help other people feel good about themselves too. So, of course, when people are away on leave, it can be really hard for them to stay connected. What are your top tips on how we can help ourselves and others to stay connected when on extended periods of leave? Set up a plan in advance if you can and if you've got the time and you've not gone off on an emergency because that plan gives everybody a base place to start from. If it works, that's great. And if it doesn't, then you can adjust it. But if someone's gone away on leave in a hurry, then I like to use really small messages, social media, any channel that I might have got from my workplace to see if someone's all right. You can send them a simple text as well. But emails take up too much time and make people feel obliged. So I really try hard not to send an email. What messages do I send? I send really simple ones like, hi, just thinking of you. It really is amazing how much those little things can mean in terms of helping somebody feel cared for and connected. We've just about run out of time for today, so I'd like to thank you all for listening and a very special thank you to our special guest today, Jessica Price-Jones. Jessica, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you, Mark. It's been a privilege talking to you. Of course, sometimes it can be really helpful to get some professional advice and support. So if you are struggling or you're not feeling quite right or perhaps you're worried about somebody, a friend or a colleague and their well-being, do reach out and talk to somebody. The Employee Assistance Program is a great place to start. They're qualified, trained counsellors and their advice is confidential, so they won't be reporting back if you do reach out and talk to them. And if you do need some more professional advice and support, it's also really important that you consider seeing your GP. GPs are great at first responding to and triaging lots of life issues, including mental health issues, and providing referrals for additional advice and support if you need it. HR is there to support you as well, and don't forget to reach out to a colleague and offer or perhaps seek some help and advice and support, particularly when you're returning to work 
after an extended period of leave. Thank you all for listening today and bye for now.